You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Chris Marler of Saturday Down South and the College Football Uncensored Podcast joins us to talk all things SEC, as well as some other shenanigans, so we'll get into that with him. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump right into it. Chris Marler joins us now. You know him as at Vern Funquist on Twitter, host of the College Football Uncensored podcast, and he joins us now. Marler, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Uh, one, I gotta say thank you for getting the, the name of the podcast right. I was on there with Feinbaum last week, and he said it wrong like eight times. I thought we were gonna have to actually change the name of the the show after that. That was just gonna be like the, the end result. <laughs> what did he call it? He kept calling it SEC Uncensored. I was like, <laughs> Ooh. it ended up being really funny, but it was uh, it was it was uh, it was like live on the show. Um, so yeah, appreciate that, and, uh, and things are going well, man. Just trying to get to this off season. One basketball game at a time. I think I'm going to rename my. We're going to rename this podcast the uh, SEC Uncensored. I think that's uh, that's where we're going to go now. <laughs> I'll kill you, but yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Real quick on the pod, I know you had Tom Hart on the uh, podcast this week. I assume this is a pretty busy week for Tom with all the tournament games being played this week on the uh, the SEC Network. What did you guys talk about? Yeah, man. Actually, Tom Tom's a, a good buddy of mine now. He lives about five minutes from me in Atlanta. Um, got to hang out with him quite a bit, and I, mainly we got him on there because I wanted to yell at him because his daughter quit Girl Scouts, and I don't have a, a, a hookup for cookies this year. So um, but now it's, uh, it's always fun we get to, we get a chance to catch up with him. Uh, we talked a little a little bit about the SEC basketball tournament and, and him calling that, and then uh, I think he's actually be calling the uh, the the games maybe for uh, March Madness as well. So talk a little about that and, and trying to figure out you know who to put my money on here. Got you know from a gambling standpoint, and I guess also the fans watching. Um, you know, is it is it like Bama and Arkansas or the field going into going into Nashville this week? Yeah, that's what I was gonna I was gonna start there because you're an unabashed uh, Alabama fan. Is this as exciting of a basketball team as they've ever had in your lifetime? So the only you know honestly, man, I used to get, like try to stay away from being a homer, but. It's not anymore. I'm, just, I'm leaning into it so hard. So, uh, <laughs> They're fun. Yeah, They're fun to watch. Yeah. I try to be objective as possible for the team. Like, I, I don't think Bama's the greatest team, but like, it, just, it doesn't make a difference to me saying, hey, this is my favorite team, because what ends up happening is SEC fans are going to SEC fan and just say you're a homer anyway, so might as well lean into it. But anyway, I think the basketball question, is it as exciting of a team? I, I would say yes. The only ones I can even think of that would be different. In 2002, they had they were the number one team in the country for a week, <laughs> like just one week, and they ended up losing right after they got uh, ranked number one. And then I remember '94. I'm dating myself here, obviously, but '94, some of the teams in the '90s, they had like Antonio McDyess and, um, and and some really good players back then. They had Charles Freewell earlier than that, and they went to the Sweet Six, or they I think they got bounced right before the Sweet Sixteen. It feels way more exciting because having a two seed next to their name, and, you know, having a two next to their name in any sport but football is pretty surprising. Um, it, it, I'm being a Bama fan. <laughs> I don't see it lasting. Like, I, like, I, like I, there's, I, my friends have been sending me text receipts nonstop of me saying, I will get someone's face tattooed on my face if Bama actually is a two seed. By the end of the year, no way this keeps up. And it was, like, from two months ago. 
So I, I didn't think they would, they would make it this far. Yeah, it, it, it's been fun to watch. I mean, they are uh, Nate Oates, the style of basketball they run. It, it has been very entertaining to watch with all the – I mean, it's like it's like watching Steph Curry. I mean, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors, they just jack up tons of threes, and they, they do a lot well. I, I was going to pivot that question into if you had to buy stock in any of the other SEC teams to run through the SEC tournament this week, who do you like? I mean, it's, it's Arkansas and LSU are – it, I think when you get to March, right, when you get to March, teams that are hot, I, it's hard not to buy into them because, you know, that season itself is kind of a grind, especially in a year like this. But you get into, you get to the entire regular season, you get to the, the, the postseason, or you get into the postseason, and, I, you know, whenever you're talking about, like, a bracket, especially if it's, like, all these different, like, rules, and people have, like, you know, this is the best way to do it, go with teams that have this kind of built into their style of play or experience. Cam Thomas. From LSU, like I, like I think he's the most exciting player to watch in in the entire conference. So I love LSU's chances just because of him, and and, and he's also got a fantastic supporting cast with other stars, uh, you know, all around him. And he he just happens to be, I think, what do you have? Like he's like eleven straight twenty point game or something like that the other day. Yeah. Um, so I love watching that kid play because he just he's just so good at, at, at you know getting his own uh, getting his own offense up and, and getting you know just points anywhere he wants. Um, the Arkansas, man. <laughs> Arkansas has won 11 in a row. They won 11 trade games, which is the total amount of games Duke won all year. I, I just, it's hard <laughs> to be impressed with them. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Eric Musselman and all the pregame shenanigans. It's a little bit hokey for me, but you got to give him credit, man. He's done an incredible job. I, I think Arkansas, again, if you've won 11 in a row, I, I, that's who I have currently picked to win it uh, this weekend. Yeah, it, it's – I mean, look, they've been obviously on the, the win streak in the SEC, and the last time they, they won this many conference games in a row, you got to go back to 93-94, and, of course, you know, they won the, the national championship then. But, like, I, I look at some of these other teams. My wife, obviously, is, a, is an unabashed Kentucky fan, and even she – like, I have not heard her talk trash about her team this much. Like, normally – She's always defending them, always defending them. And this year was like the first time ever she's like, no, we stink. No, we're not any good. And it's just really weird to hear that from a Kentucky basketball fan. But that said, like a Kentucky, a Florida, a Tennessee, like any of those teams in my mind could get hot and make a run through this tournament. I, so I love that you bring this up because, one, the, what you said about your wife, like the, there's maybe no no – more fun fan base to listen or watch do mental gymnastics about their team throughout the course of the year. And with basketball, you get so many more games. It's not like football season, right? Like where it's kind of like a short, it lasts three or four months. But it's like a shorter sample size of like, you know, if you're good or not pretty quickly. Basketball, I think Kentucky fans, like you can have a slow start. And like, no, no, they're going to, yeah, they're going to get into jail together. They're going to be fine. Watching, watching them kind of like collectively give up this year was kind of funny. As much as I hate it for the fan base. Um, because the team is so bad. But you hit the nail on the head. Like bringing bringing up Tennessee and Florida, I said this actually on the podcast with Tom. I I I hope there are upsets. It's the best part of March, like Cinderella stories, all that kind of stuff. But if Tennessee and Florida wins this conference tournament, I will be pissed because those two teams have have gotten, especially Tennessee, they've gotten the benefit of the doubt for so long during the season of, of just everyone expecting them to be what they thought they were going to be in the preseason and. They're gonna they're gonna turn the corner like as soon as they get you know away from injuries and as soon as they get this thing going and they figure out like the, the right uh, starting five they can just they can get better on the boards or whatever <laughs> and then you every single week it's like they go one and one 
one and one. It's the same thing every weekend, but people just still insist that they're going to be good. So I, I will be very frustrated trying to watch those two teams. And, and I'll, you know, like I do all the time on here, I'll just be honest. Like this is, uh, this is purely coming from a place of me being jaded since I bet on both those teams a lot this year. <laughs> I don't think I've won a single time. It's got to be weird for Auburn, right? Like, they just, they're done. <laughs> like, they've got all these young players, this great talent, and it's like, okay, y'all are done. Everybody go home. Yeah, but, you know, um, I, I think it was it was funny, like, watching that last game, because they, they really are a very talented team. And Street Cooper is, as much as I, I love Cam from from, uh, from LSU, Street Cooper is disappointment television. He's so much fun to watch. Just, just an incredible talent. Um, the fans <laughs> cheering for him to come back like one more year uh, at the end of the season, that was one of the <laughs> just, just chef's kiss, most hilarious things I've seen in a while. Like, listen, that kid was great while he was there, but that kid's coming back about the same amount as, as Cam Newton was coming back after that one season at Auburn as well. They, 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 they're gone. <laughs> Hey, I was in the Superdome in 2006, chanting one more year for Jamarcus Russell, and um, it, it didn't, it didn't happen. But uh, hey, we won the national championship the next year, so it's all good. But, uh, <laughs> all right, more with Chris Marler right after this. If you need some auto parts, there's only one place to go, and that is RockAuto.com. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever it is, they got exactly what you need. You go to rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique, very easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Type in your make and model and year. Boom, there it is. And choose from the brand, brands and the specifications and the prices that you prefer. The best of all, prices at rockauto.com. Always reliably low. Same for the pros or the do-it-yourselfers like you and I. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Hey, betting on the SEC doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, and much more with Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. It's brought to you by betonline.ag. Continue our conversation with our buddy Chris Marler from Saturday Down South and the College Football Uncensored podcast. And Marler, I had to get into this with you. I saw last week you put out a uh, a list that I think you posted and deleted like twice. I don't know what was going on there, but <laughs> you ranked the uh, SEC's top 10 offensive players heading into the 2021 football season. And uh, it's not a bad list, but I just I wanted to run through it with you and, and, and kind of debate. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's why I made it, was hoping that people could just drag me uh, nonstop on social media over just, I'm just trying to learn Photoshop, Gordy. That's all that's happening here. <laughs> so let's start here. You you put running back Kevin Harris from South Carolina at number one. And look, I, I don't think, you, you can't dispute it very much. Look, the guy led the SEC in rushing last year, you know, was just ahead of, uh, of Najee. When the season ended, now you know if you want to add all the yards Najee had in the postseason, okay, he's ahead of him. But you, know, Kevin Harris, very special guy on a team that 
you know, didn't have the best of, of offense, didn't have the best offensive line, and for him to still do that was pretty damn exceptional. I would, though, put the guy you got at number four, and maybe I'm just buying too much into the Georgia hype, but I got JT Daniels as the, the best offensive player returning this year. Granted, at once. Yeah, granted it was small sample size, but I, I'm very high on JT Daniels. As JT Daniels goes this year, so goes Georgia. Okay, so here's the deal. If somebody that's lived in the state for, for 30 years, 34 years, I get what you're saying. I, I think we all want to buy into the J.T. Daniels thing, but I've, I've, I've said this on, on this show. I, I think he is a phenomenal talent, and he's a you know, five-star guy, and, and I think the hype, there's reason to believe the hype. I don't think he's, next, he's, a, he's the next Jake from because, one, he has a lot better hair and a much better hairline, but also I think he's got a better arm and, and all that, you know, the physical tools as well. I you look at the sample size. He played Cincinnati, he played Mississippi State, he played Mizzou. That's not like a murderer's row of, of, of competition, you know. I, I, so I, I'm just a little bit skeptical. Like, and, I, and putting it at four is not saying anything bad about Jaden Daniels. It's just, the, the sample size is four games. I mean, that, that's that's what we have, and and I think he's going to have a great season. I think he's the best odds out of any player in this entire conference to to win the Heisman team of the year. I really do with the way that their season sets up and, and, and what he can be able to accomplish and it being a quarterback-driven uh, award. So I don't disagree with that. But but to say he's automatically better with that like small sample size, I feel like it's a disservice to so many other players in the conference. Yeah, sorry. Well, I, I'm Cincinnati's who I was thinking of. That that was a good win. I mean, Cincinnati was a yeah. – uh, you know they were, they were a highly ranked top 10 team when, when Georgia beat them. I get what you're saying. I just – I, I, it did. It was night and day from where they were with Stetson Bennett earlier in the year to how they finished with JT Daniels. It was night and day, the offensive production. And so you're right, though. I mean, yeah, if we're talking skins on the wall, at least Kevin Harris has shown what he can do. And for that matter, you got Matt Corral at number two. Matt Corral showed what he could do all season long as the Ole Miss starter, whereas yeah, JT's got the four games to his credit. Yeah, I, I tell you what, like, uh, and, and the one thing, too, about JT Daniels is he, he, again, you're right, an incredible talent, uh, a very good player by, by all means. But at the same time, when you talk about, we talk about like, some of his numbers, because like, the first game of the year, I think that's what everyone just kind of became enamored with him because he put up over 400 yards passing, which rarely gets done on the Kirby Sport offense. Um, and, and they looked fantastic. Well, they, the team did look fantastic. But they, they were able to come back to beat Mississippi State in, in a pretty good game at home. If you look at the next week, he goes up against South Carolina, which is a, by all means, a bad football team, just a, a terrible football team. 10 of 16, 139 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. When you have that small of a sample size, it's almost like the Ohio State treatment we had last year, which you know how much how I feel about that. Um, we expect it to be great. We've already told ourselves it's going to be great. And so we, we automatically just kind of assume and just accept, like, all right, well, no matter what he does, like, he's going to be great. This small of a sample size of four games, I think when – that that stat line against a really bad South Carolina team, that's the, that's the biggest cause for concern I have with them. But then again, you talk about Matt Corral, it, it, he, he's losing a ton of production with Eli Moore uh, and, and the uh, the tight end, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Jaboa. Um, but I, I tell you what, what's really amazing this year is last year was a really deep year for receivers in the league. This year, maybe even deeper from like a top-to-bottom standpoint and, and the same with running backs. Yeah, it's a good point. But, you know, I could also argue, you, you talk about the pieces that he's losing. He was without both those guys in the LSU game. And granted that, you know, you can make the argument Ole Miss should have beat uh, LSU in the, the season finale. So, uh, and, and 
Matt Corral still looked really good throwing the football. Just got to clean up those interceptions. If he can just clean up those picks, I think Ole Miss is going to win a lot more games this year, especially if they Don't can go to f- Arkansas ever again. Yeah, <laughs> if they can fix that defense at Ole Miss. Speaking of Arkansas, you got Traylon Burks at uh, number three. And it was interesting because I was talking with an Arkansas buddy of mine, and I said, uh, man, you know, he's got some weapons for K.J. Jefferson. And he, he was like, hey, pump the brakes. K.J. hasn't earned that spot yet. I'm like, really? I'm like, I was just – everybody's just penciling him in as the starter. And he's like, not so fast. We'll see. But I, I got to think. I mean, it, it's a good guess there on the trail on Burks. As, go, as he goes, so goes the Arkansas offense this year. Yeah, it, it, it's just something odd. Like, I, where I thought I was going to catch the most flack from, from making this list, um, besides the, the ter- I mean, the graphic itself uh, and having any kind of typos, that's why I deleted twice. Uh, <laughs> because you know, like everyone has an opinion on stuff, and, and I, there was one glaring omission that I thought um, was going to catch me the most flack, which was George Pickens from Georgia, and he's an incredible talent, and he's he's a, a really just a, a physical specimen, right? Just go up and get it. He's got like AJ Green qualities to him. Just a very good receiver. He he's not the best receiver in the SEC. Traylon Burks is. I mean, George Pickens. We'll get to this in a second. He's not the best receiver on his own team, in my opinion. Traylon Burks. I don't know if it's because it's Arkansas and we're, people are still kind of um, just they, they fly under the radar a lot in the SEC. I think because of what Chad Morris did to that program. But Traylon Burks put together a, a great season last year, and I think when you talk to people that really put on tape and actually know more about it, <laughs> way more about it than I do. Um, it raves about this kid, and, and I think he's been very consistent over his first two years, and it's only going to get better as a junior. You have Tank Bigsby, the running back from Auburn, at number five, and I thought this was interesting. I, I just saw on Twitter that uh, uh, Pro Football Focus they rated him as one of their you know top returning running backs. Yeah, the top returning running backs to college football. Tank Bigsby graded out as number one according to Pro Football Focus. Um, take that for what it is, but the guy did leave did lead Auburn in rushing in six of the ten games that he played, and you know at one point he wasn't even that very healthy uh, doing it. I, I like this kid; he's just such a hard nosed runner, and I don't know what the offense is going to look like with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson running things, but I got to think it starts with getting Bigsby the ball. Hey, I say it better, man. It, it, it better because that's one thing that's been so frustrating about watching. Uh, even with Gus on, Gus Malzahn's a good play caller, that kind of stuff. But how many times did people watch that offense at, at Auburn before Tank Bigs even? And we're like, why are we not getting, why is Anthony Schwartz not getting the ball? Because he runs like a 3 7 40. Like, why are we not getting this guy the ball? And so, but Tank, Tank Bigsby, he's a freshman last year. And, and I think there's a few things that SEC fans love more than hyping up a, a, a freshman running back. But this kid, he, he I, I bought into every bit of it, all every bit of the hype because the way he breaks tackles, especially for his frame, he doesn't look like he's that big. He's, I mean, Kevin Harris is like a, a more physically imposing back, but Bigsby, I could easily easily make the argument for him at one. I didn't want to get into that many arguments on social media about it, so I didn't. But I mean, he is a phenomenal talent, and I tell you what, like if that offensive line can look anything like the offensive line did in 2019 for Auburn, um, he, he's going to have a phenomenal season. Uh, just to run through the others, you got Chris Rodriguez, number six, uh, running back at Kentucky. I don't think there's any argument there. Look, we'll, as Kentucky's offense goes, we'll see what it looks like with Liam Cohen 
uh, running the show now, but um, very productive running back last year, and he's back. I think uh, he's going to have even more carries this year. Seven and eight, you go with the two A&M guys, Jalen Watermeyer, the tight end, and the running back, Isaiah Spiller. And it was funny, as soon as I read those, I'm like, yep, that's a Jimbo Fisher offense. Like, everywhere Jimbo's been, it's been like productive tight end, productive running back, and eh, we'll figure out the quarterback and wide receiver thing. But we're always going to have a stud quarter, a stud tight end and a stud running back. That's spot on. Uh, number nine, you got Brian Robinson, which I think a lot of people would say low for being the the next man up in the Bama backfield. And then you got Kayshawn Booty, who we saw very limited sample size, um, didn't even play a huge role until the last week of the season. But man, he blew up for LSU in the in that finale. Um, Brian Robinson being this low, why is he this low? I mean, there's there's a lot here. Brian Robinson, I think, is. He really came on strong in the second half of this year. Before that, I never was really, really that uh, sold on, on him as, as, a, as like the next guy. Bam, and he's like a, a four-star running back, and, and it's pretty good by all means. But I mean, they've had they signed a five-star guy this year. You had the five-star kid. I, I, why am I forgetting his name from two years ago? Um, and, Trey, and Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders. Thank you very much. I probably should have known that. So the Trey Sanders thing, I, I kind of thought. I think I put last year for the season he was going to be a breakout player. Uh, on that list. And so watching Brian Robinson run, you, you know they're going to get their yards because they're behind what's usually one of the best, if not the best offensive line in the country and all that kind of stuff. It's also usually in garbage time. The way he was able to run over people and break tackles and, and be physically dominant and like the same way we've seen guys in the past from like that kind of style running back from Alabama, that's why I was really sold on him. And I think there's there's some people that think he's going to end up maybe being up in the top five or something like that. And I don't think it's from, if it happens, I don't think it's because of a, a stat standpoint or just because just he got his yards. I think it's because, like, you know, the way he plays the game and the way he runs, he runs hard. I mean, really hard. And I think he's got a chip on his shoulder as well. <laughs> All right, stick with me. When we come back, I'm hitting you with some rapid-fire questions, okay? All right. All right, more with Chris Marler next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We know football is over, college basketball in full swing, and we have got the SEC tournament happening right now this week, and they've got odds, they got action for you right now at betonline.ag. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got Alabama this week as the odds-on favorite at 11 to 5. Followed by Arkansas at three to one. Florida actually bumped up a little bit. They are right there in a three-way tie with LSU and Tennessee all at five to one. That's pretty good odds. Throw a little couple bucks on all three of those. One of them might pay off for you. Missouri's at nine to one. Kentucky, the long shot at sixteen to one. Yeah, I know Calipari struggled this year, but he's still got a lot of talent in that club. They could get hot at the right time and make a run through this tournament. Ole Miss at twenty-two to one. Or if you really want to go long shot. How about Mississippi State at 66 to 1? They've got all that for you at betonline.ag. They got you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to uh, betonline.ag, use your mobile device, and you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKED ON. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I want to remind you guys about the Built Bar bracket going on at BuiltBar.com with the tournament happening this week and the big one happening in a couple weeks. Built Bar has got their Built Bracket going. Today's matchup, you can vote for Banana Nut Bread versus Toffee Almond in one matchup, and the other one is Orange 
versus peanut butter. I think I'm going to go toffee, almond, and peanut butter in both of those. But you can head to BuiltBar.com right now to cast your vote in those matchups. Continue our conversation with Chris Marler from Saturday Down South and College Football Uncensored. Marler, who the hell is Rush Probst and how legit is this recording of him talking about paying players? Uh, first off, I was Rush Probst for Halloween in 2006 uh, in my, my college days. We dressed up as a cast from two of days. Um, <laughs> so just the, it'll be the irony of all ironies if, if any of this stuff is true or he, if he ends up slamming the door on Bama getting uh, in trouble. Rush Probst, he, he is I, – he's, he's a good football coach. He's a he's even greater at self confidence and self promotion. I'll say that. Um, if you don't know who he is, he was on a show in the 2000s called Two a Days. He was the head coach at Hoover Hoover High School in uh in in Birmingham, Alabama, and then he uh, lost that job because of some stuff. And when I say some stuff, I mean he went on a nationally televised cable television show about his football team. While having a secret family, not not a not like a mistress, a whole ass family, um, just like three miles down the road. I, that is like I, I went out for gas and it took too long, and my fiance was like, "Where have you been?" I have no idea how he was able to get away with that for that long. So, um, yeah, the rest folks say it's very odd, but it did, he just keeps getting handed new jobs. Like he he is basically the Will Muschamp minus the marital issues of high school football because. He just keeps failing up, and no matter how bad of a job he screws up, like you're, at, you know, but what kind of terms he leaves on, he ends up getting another job. He gets to Colquitt County. They build him a million dollar indoor facility. This is before Georgia, the University of Georgia, had an indoor football facility, and then he gets to go to uh, Valdosta, which is the winningest program in, in the country. So, I, I good for Rush Pro, I guess. I don't. Yeah, and there, there's a video that leaked this week. It's about a 14-minute long video, and it, apparently it's somebody was recording him talking, and he's talking about, oh, yeah, we helped. Uh, you know you know how that works. Saban's got this guy who handles paying all the players, and you know Kirby's got the same thing going on at Georgia, and some people are calling BS on it. Some people are saying it might be legit, but eh, we'll see on, uh, on all that. But Real quick, here's all I'll say on it, is that, like, we all know this happens in, in the world of college football system, the SEC, so I don't doubt there's some validity behind it. The one thing that was the, the only argument I would make, if he would have made that argument about how, how Kirby does it, which is they give up you know, dollars to $150,000 signing bonus, basically, on signing day, I believe that. Like, like, because we've seen, you know, like the SMU stuff and that 30 for 30. What he said about Bama, about them having two guys that sign all the in-state talent, and he was talking about Mobile, and, and how this one guy specifically handles Mobile, I just don't. I don't think that that team is specifically recruiting just in that area <laughs> right. where they would need that, that amount of money going into Mobile. So that's the only thing I would say. Uh, why I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, who's handling Saban's wire uh, wiring of money to Hawaii? Huh? Who got? How'd they get Tua? Yeah, right? Who's handled the, the Hawaii payments? Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just uh, it's something at least worth uh, worth tracking. But I, I just laugh with all the SEC fans out there. So many of them are like, yeah, this guy's a fraud. Like, literally nobody's giving this credibility. So we'll see what happens. All right, let me hit you with a couple rapid-fire questions just heading into uh, this, looking ahead to next football season. Which staff wins double-digit games first, Josh Heupel at Tennessee or Brian Harson at Auburn? Ooh. Um, I'd say Brian Harson. I think I think that uh, 
you know, Auburn, Auburn always finds a way. Like, they don't have to even be that great of a football team to have, like, one of these miracle seasons. I, I'll say Brian Harson. Um, one, I think he's a better coach, and, and I think also he's going to have a, a little bit more of a found, actually a lot more of a foundation to build off of. Yeah, I'm starting to buy more and more into hype. I know a lot of people are doubting it, and a lot of people laughed at the hire, but, like, I, Tennessee's big issue has been quarterback play. If he can fix that, right. I think the rest can figure itself out. Now, they got to keep recruiting well. they got to, you know, they can't have uh, kids jumping ship for uh, – for Auburn and things like that, but yeah. if he can figure that out, I, I like Hypo. I think he'll actually be, end up being a good hire, but but time will tell. If you had to buy stock in one of these two uh, for the next couple of years, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt or Shane Beamer at South Carolina, who you buying? Oh, that's tough. Um, you know, honestly, it's probably the cliche answer. I'd say Shane Beamer just because um, there's more opportunity for excitement there. there there's, there's more opportunity to build off of a big win and, and, and like, you know, or get a big recruit. I think with Vandy, you know, the, the floor is almost so close to ceiling, man. And so I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know if we're ever going to see another James Franklin situation there. We, we might, and it would be great because that was a lot of fun. But with Beamer, you're walking into a situation where you have the opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you have so many more opportunities to make a splash somewhere, whether it's signing a big recruit, Beating you know a rival Georgia Clemson for like something like that like knocking somebody off. There's so many more opportunities that I think that he will have uh, that Clarkson probably won't. Yeah, and he's got the recruiting thing down. So if he can just get yeah. a couple of clownies in there, they could uh, they could upset some people, win some games. Uh, which second year SEC coach will find himself on the hot seat if he wins four games or less this year? Mike Leach or Sam Pittman? Oh, that's good. Uh, Mike Leach. Uh, and I think that's more than anything. <clears throat> Pittman, if he has four, Pittman is so damn likable, first off. Uh, so I, I think that what he's able to build, and, and people are still still mad about what Chad Morris did and how bad of a shape he left that program in. The Mike Leach thing, <laughs> this is he stayed. It, like, I, I like Mike Leach a lot. I think they, they will be improved this year. So Mike Leach is, is just like the used car salesman of, of, of the SEC <laughs> in terms of the fact that, like, you you think you're getting something a lot prettier and shinier than you really are. Like I mean, he is what he is. He's, he's a he's a guy that's going to take a team to a seven and five or eight and four record every single year, <laughs> every single year. But they're going to put up a lot of points. And they're going to they might have an upset and they, they might do something fun or lead the country in passing or, or these like astronomical numbers. But the bottom line is it's still going to be seven and five or eight and four. The Mike Lee thing also is from a cultural standpoint, he does not fit in in Starkville. He just doesn't, and I don't think he wants to. We saw that with Joe Moorhead, where they they turned button heads a little bit, um, and he made a comment about you know him being a Yankee and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know who would want to leave faster, Leach or if, if the administration if he has another season like he did last year. Last one for you, Marler. Which is Alabama's biggest game this year? And I, I exclude Miami the opener because again we know they can lose that one, run the table, and be just fine. Is it at Florida or at Texas A&M? Which one's bigger? You know, listen, they're all big games. We're just focused on the next game. Oh, God, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm 100% kidding. Is it Florida or A&M? A&M, a a thousand percent, because I don't think Florida's going to be that good this year um, in general, and and the drop-off they're going to have, I I don't think they're going to have much for Alabama. Um, The A&M thing, that is, you, you lose that game, you're on the road, it's a you know a tough environment. Then you start talking about you know all the narratives that are going to come from that, which is 
is somebody is, is somebody else going to take over the SEC West? And like you know, um, I, I think if that happens, the slippery slope of of what the media will turn into, what it actually could turn into, um, dynasty questions, all that kind of stuff, are a lot closer to happening if, if they lose that game, not not if they lose to Florida. Before you poo-poo on Florida, okay, let me read this quote from Dan Mullen yesterday after practice. <laughs> Gators head coach Dan Mullen says there are certain deep throws that Emory Jones can make better than Kyle Trask because he has a stronger arm. Ooh, stronger arm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my favorite thing was their scrimmage this weekend when they um, had, had five drives. Uh, to start the scrimmage with zero first downs, and I think every quarterback is through in there through an interception. It has nothing to do with Emory Jones. I think Emory Jones is going to be fun, and, and it's going to open up the entire playbook for, for Maul's offense. However, you don't lose Kyle Pitts, Trayvon Grimes, Kadarius Tony, and that beautiful redhead ginger, Kyle Trask, and, and just pick up where he left off. He is Chris Marler. Saturday Down South is the uh, normally the uh, website and the uh, – the, the uh, Twitter handle SDS, which is suspended right now because uh, Marler did some inappropriate things on it. But you can you can listen to College Football Uncensored, the podcast out there with the great Tom Hart on it this week. Are you, are you guys doing anything special for the SEC tournament? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we're going to be watching at the house. But like usually, I was trying to prep my fiance for. I was like, it's going to be a big work week with like Twitter and everything. Um, but yeah, basically. Uh, we, we told everyone last year that we thought Tennessee was going to be back, and Twitter, you know, they banned us for misinformation, so now we're in trouble, so we'll figure it out. I, I kept it clean today. I was thinking of maybe I should ask him a Les Miles question, but I'm going to leave that alone because that's just – Yeah, leave it. You know what? That's you a mess. assault without LSU. That's all. I'll leave it on that. Yeah, as an LSU grad, clean it up, LSU. What the hell's going on over there? Anyway, he's, he is Chris Marler, Saturday Down South, College Football Uncensored. Marler, always good to catch up, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. There he is. Chris Marler, Saturday Down South, uh, and the podcast, College Football Uncensored. Awesome, awesome stuff with him there. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Appreciate uh, Marler for taking some time out there with us to talk all things SEC. Uh, Look, we're all covered. I mean, this week we got some SEC tournament action going on in men's college basketball, baseball, rocking and rolling. And, of course, we'll continue to talk all things football as the uh, offseason churns along for SEC football. Appreciate Marla for coming on. Tomorrow on the show, Blake Lovell will join us, talk all things SEC basketball. We'll get his thoughts on the Wednesday night game and then the Thursday games in the SEC tournament. A little bit later in the week, we'll touch on Arkansas's Pro Day and much, much more. A lot of stuff going on. All good here on Locked on SEC. Appreciate you guys for subscribing and listening. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.